guest is my good friend Jones. You might know him from his album, Jones, Jones, Jones. A lot of older cats might remember that he was my DJ for about 200 or 300 shows for many years. Um, but the thing I wanted to highlight in this interview is that even though he's kind of a behind-the-scenes kind of musician, he's had this really full journey and a full career of making a lot of music come together. He was in Hungry Bodies. He was in a group with me called Wounds in the late 90s. Uh, he's produced for Dog and Pony, Floral MC. He's done beats on like eight or nine of my albums. And he's done remixes for Future Islands, Food for Animals, Rap Dragons. The list goes on. You know, as he mentions in this interview, he's not maybe the best at self-promotion, and, you know, who is? But, like, it's easier for all the cool stuff that people do to go unnoticed, and I want you to notice. So, it was a really cool interview. Before we begin, I want to say the Wraparound Robin Starts on May 13th. We're going to D.C., Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. So please look out for those dates. Um, it's with Easy Jackson and P.T. Burnham. It's going to be real good. The artwork, as always, is by Mike Riley. Check him out at Mike Riley Comics. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at splicetoday.com. Let's, Let's go, go in. in. My parents were both, like, really into pop of, like, the 50s and 60s. Back in the day, there was, like, this radio station, uh, WQSR. Oh, yeah. Which, like, played kind of, like, hits from that era. And they did, like, this show called The Forgotten 45s. Like, the have you ever heard those, like, Nuggets compilations? Oh, yeah. Um, kind of, like, garage rock American stuff. Uh, it was, like, they were playing that kind of stuff. And... Really short, almost like like two minute, like super truncated like pop songs. But I think all of that being said, it wasn't really until I was like fourteen or fifteen, and I first heard Wu Tang, hmm. uh, specifically Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. It was like listening to something with. Like, you, I had been missing something the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, a whole new, like, color was, like, available to me. Um, and I think I listened to End of the 36 Chambers, like, two or three times a night for, like, three or four months straight. Yeah. And just, like, really dove into that. And then from that, it was, like, it was just, like, everything else opened up. Yeah. And I think that's, like, and both, like, in the, like, kind of, like, New York like mid-90s like rap world but then also just like that's when I started like going to like local shows and 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 getting into kind of like more like indie rock like college rock type stuff right, right. um I think it I think it took me a while to 
to not be like a kid listening to it, if that makes sense. Like, like elementary and middle school, it's like I like I liked music, I liked listening to it, but it was just sort of like this thing that I didn't really understand. Yeah, that I kind of like just like the vibe of it. Right, right, right. So it sort of like took this sort of like teenage, early teenage years for me to kind of like start to develop like a vocabulary of like liking the production, liking this type of sound over that type of sound, you know, yeah. really kind of like getting into into what was actually being like put into the song. One thing I remember is like with 36 Chambers and to me the other one was like Nirvana, Nevermind, like in our friends group, like uh-huh. many kids like of our age, like the stuff we liked was like old and I didn't even really understand that. Like, I didn't really understand that, like, the first Metallica album came out, like, oh, the year right. we were born. Or, okay, and, like, yeah, yeah, Judas yeah. Priest and Iron Maiden. It's, like, all, like, old. And then, like, right. NWA and, like, the Beastie Boys. It's, like, right. And that was the first thing that's, like, it's new. Like, we're hearing it. Those two albums, I feel like, was the first thing, big things, where it's, like, we're hearing it. And it's as... It's as new to everyone else as it is to us. Yeah, totally. And it makes me think about, like, one of the... I had, like, a a Zeppelin tape. It felt like a history textbook. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not just, like... I think it was was Zeppelin 3. It was, like, just, like, the way the artwork looked. It seems like a, like, 19th century, like, novel. Right, right, right. You know, and it's, like, yeah this, like, done thing. I think once I started getting into rap and and stuff that even, like, you know, even going to shows and, like, seeing stuff that people that were, like, my age or, like, a few years older were making, um, it was like hearing a secret for the first time. Mm. You know, it was, it was uh, personalized or something. How did you start doing music would you say i played violin from like fifth grade to like the end of high school so like i learned how to like read music and um was never very good but could definitely like play a tune and like keep up with the band and stuff yeah with that but as far as like actually like picking the how a a song would sound was probably like actually like ninth grade in high school this uh they did like a kind of like pilot program for music technology right uh there's probably like seven or eight maybe like 10 11 kids in the class the stuff i made was like ridiculously terrible it was this kind of like orchestra hits as like an aesthetic kind of <laughs> right. stuff like just like i think it was like really fast just like almost like unlistenably fast <laughs> and just no dynamics whatsoever. Oh, right, right. It was just sort of yeah, you like you had these like techno kind of Yeah. It was like try I think I was trying to be like yeah, exactly like some kind of like abrasive techno. But it just straight up sounded like which maybe is on someone's like list to like listen to now, but like <laughs> for that little snippet of it, but it was, uh, and then, and then, and that was like kind of like my class project. But then, um, he, uh, 
there was, I guess, you and me, and uh, did both Mike and Mickey, or was it just Mickey that would, like, hang out afterwards? Mickey would do it the least. Okay, I couldn't, I was trying to yeah. think of that, yeah. So, yeah, um, we would, like, hang out. He, Mr. Ren would allow us to stay on campus, like, after school, and kind of just, like, I think the door, like, kind of, like, you, like, lock it behind you kind of thing. Right, right. So we would just, like, stay on till like, 5 or 6 o'clock. And uh, just make tracks. And I think I made probably, like, maybe a handful of, like, I guess, like, from literally, like, what I was trying to do and then also, like, what it sounded like. It was kind of like if Aphex Twin made, like, overly simple, like, video game music. Oh, yeah. It was kind of, like, yeah. kind of, like, spooky sounding. Right. And kind of, like, lo-fi. Like, not in this aesthetic, but just, like, because it was on these, like, Mac, like, 2 e like, 8-bit, like, MIDI card. Right, right, right. Or 16, you know, whatever the bare-bones, like, MIDI setup was in, like, 96. Like, kind of, like, reinterpreting, like, GoldenEye music. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's, like, kind of, like, what the vibe was, I guess. So, like, what was it like for you, like, starting to be part of this group with us? Yeah. Know, wounds? yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it was the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was um, you guys were all, to me, and I, still now, I think this way, and, and definitely at the time, um, you guys were all, like, more musicians um, than I think I ever thought of myself as. Um, you guys, you know, took lessons and, like, played guitar and bass, and, like, that wasn't really anything that I could do for any extended period of time or with, with any kind of success, so I think... To me, like, even though, like, we were the same age, it's like I still kind of, like, looked up to you guys. And so, for me, being in that group was, um, I think I recognized that really early, that it was, like, kind of, like, special that that I was, like, got to be a part of it. Mm. it, You know, like, that maybe you, like, took a chance on me or something. Because it was, like, I was kind of coming from this style-wise of, like, how I was rhyming was, like, really left field. Yeah. And kind of, like, didn't really know what I was doing, but I feel like it fit, and you guys liked it and recognized that it was, like, something that would add to the group. And so I think I... for the So for the early part of it, it was this kind of, like, really great feeling of, like, getting to kind of, like maybe kind of, like, sneak myself on board, like, a little bit as, like, sort of, like, someone that didn't really have, like, these, like, musician shops. But then it was, yeah. like, the type of stuff that we were making, like, there wasn't, you know, it's, like, if we try to do, like, a... If I tried to play, like, keyboards in, like, a a rock band, it would have been, like, super apparent that, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. But, like, because we were making, like, avant-garde hip-hop... There certainly was like no no kind of like rule book <laughs> to right, follow. Right. So like, I kind of like maybe can't. I, I there wasn't any like barrier to the idea. So like, I think I like pretty quickly found my like voice, like production wise and like rhyme wise. Yeah. That like all of those things that I said like two minutes ago about like not knowing what I was doing or like feeling a little underdog. Like all those things became. Like assets, right? To right. like what we were doing back at that time. Did you have an idea of yourself as a performer before we started playing shows? Were you like 
Did you see yourself uh, as somebody that would? No. Not at all? No, I don't think so. No. Well, how did it feel to be doing it? Uh, at first, it was terrifying. Mm. Um, but I think I always knew kind of like how I fit into the group. I knew I was kind of this like extra little like wild card. Right, right, right. And that was really fun because, you know, and then with a group with five guys, like all like rhyming, it's like I didn't really have to like do a whole lot. So like so much of my energy was just like almost like like being in both performing and being in the audience at the same time. <laughs> right, right. And like trying to like bring people from the audience like into the to the show. I think we did a good job of kind of like expanding that bubble of like it's like so many times with shows now it's like all the things that are happening are like happening on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone's just kind of like standing around like watching it. Yeah. But I think like we were really good at like bringing that bubble out into the crowd. Yeah. And making the crowd like part of the performance and literally just like taking like wireless mics and like performing in the, in the crowd. Yeah. And like just getting the the show like off the stage. Hmm. So so yeah, you produced a track on this Dog and Pony 12-inch mm-hmm. EP. So uh, so a little bit of I guess a little bit of background. Dog and Pony was like a two-man uh DJ Pony and MC Dog. So it was a DJ and an MC and it was all freestyle and it was sort of um it was very like performance arty as far as like the live shows. No rhymes. No rhymes, Before, right? Okay, of course. By a bell. So there's the so, right? Yeah, that's a very important part to mention. There's no rhymes were allowed, and that was like sort of announced at the beginning of the show, and there'd be like a referee and like a bell for every rhyme, and usually it'd be like rhyming like B with C, yeah, like accidentally <laughs> or like right with tight, right? Um, so there would be like a infraction made if he. If if MC Dog uh, rhymed, so yeah, so uh, uh, so four song twelve inch got uh, produced uh, at Chris's house. I made one of the tracks for it. It was done as sort of like a, a live studio audience uh, for the vocal performance. So it was sort of like recorded in like maybe like t- I think we did it like two or three times. Yeah. So it was basically it was all like one take, and then right. just did it a couple of times to see if there was. One that was better, significantly better than the other. It felt like really exciting to me, like those guys coming down, yeah, like, and you guys like helping produce this real like record that's coming out, right? And everything. Did it feel that way to you? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that was like still a little bit of the age where it was like New York, right? Right. Like vinyl, <laughs> right? Um. That was also, like, the first... That was, like, the only thing, you know, like, outside of, like... You know, because all the guys that were in Wounds, like, you know, you and me and Mike and Chris and Mickey, like, we had all been friends for a long time. We, you know, we were... Kind of grew up together in a lot of ways, so, like, the making music thing was an extension of our friendship, but those guys were just dudes that I, like, met, you know? Right. Like, they, it was... It was, like, kind of, like, a little bit of, like, a branching out. Yeah. So it's definitely exciting for that, too. Say, like, us, I mean, as a group, we only ever did, like, one tour, really, but, like... Yeah. But, like, what was what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
it was um all the shows were fun for like very different reasons um it was a kind of like well booked tour um just as far as like i don't remember there being like any like insane drives <laughs> no we definitely was there? there was some dumb routing I was like okay yeah maybe it's just yeah. my like we went revisionist history of it we went all the way to detroit and had all these off days and then came back and then oh. went to Ocean City just to hang oh, okay. out and then went back up the East Coast. I guess it just didn't matter at the time. Right, so right. It, Not at all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, um, it was cool to to get to do that, to be able to um, kind of like just get out of your, get out of my comfort zone. Because I know for me it was like, how can I get as much more of this as possible or something? Did you feel, Did you feel the same? Yeah, I definitely um, knew from that experience and from, you know, like a little bit of the time before that, that that was, that was how I was going to spend or try to spend the next, like, few years of my life. Yeah. Like, I knew that I really wanted, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that time I really just wanted to be a musician. Like, right, that right. was the thing that, and that was the thing that I thought was going to happen. I don't, and I think that, um, I don't think I, I don't think I took the work of it as seriously, though. How so? I just think I thought it was, like, a, an easy thing hmm. to do. I didn't, it didn't, because I didn't, I mean, and a lot of it was, that was just, like, ignorance is bliss, because I didn't really actually do any of the booking or anything. I just right, kind of right. was like, oh, yeah, we're going, cool. Right, right. Um, So it was a little bit of that, like. Um, made a big impression on me. Like I knew that I really wanted to do it, but I wasn't like um, intellectually or like emotionally equipped at the time to like tr- to know what to do with that. Mm. So I think um, for I mean for a while we just I, I think I I I pretty and then I started going to school, you know. So I was like yeah. in college, and so real that's that's kind of like when I. What the thing that I knew that I could do though was make beats. So it's like that's when I really like went in on the beats. Oh yeah. Like prior to that tour, I probably made like three. Right. right. And then for like the year or two after that, I made like thirty. Hmm. So that it really that was the thing that I guess either like I knew consciously was like the thing that I should like go in on right like try to like be like a master of yeah or if that's just like how it worked out i don't know if it was just like circumstance led to it or if it was how conscious of it i was at the time but but any any like energy i had for like the grind just went into learning about um a little like kind of like sound design like 101 kind of stuff and and just like how to make a good mix and like how to like sample stuff and like how to make drum hits sound cool and and yeah. like put a beat together and like how to how to just make a groove like did you start to have a feeling like I should you know like get this album together or... yeah a lot of different times um i just i yeah it just didn't happen there was definitely times where i wanted to to put some songs together and, you know, would have different things cooking in different times, but whether it was just 
lack of follow through or not like fully investing in the material or um, moving on to something else. I mean, there's just not, you know, nothing ever really uh, came of it. Like, when did your solo record come out? You mean Jones, Jones, Jones? Yeah. Oh, no, that, yeah, not, that, that was way after. What year? Uh, Jones, Jones, Jones was, uh, I mean, it was kind of like a, a rolling out, like, over a long period of time, because um, I did, like, the vinyl version, and yeah. stuff, stuff just took a long time. So I, th- I think I finished the mixing in, like, 2010. Really? Yeah. 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 I mean, some of those songs were, like, 10 years old. Like, I had, you know, wrote them in, like, 2000, 2001, 2002, did various tours and kind of demoing stuff, and then, like, finally, like, 08, 09, like, really started to kind of, like, put it all together. I feel like besides maybe something that Chris has done with, like, Oxes or something, I feel like that was probably, of of all of us, that was probably the most, like, professional, like, recording operation that any of us had done you know yeah yeah what was like why why was it like that just just you wanted to do it right yeah yeah that was that was the uh, i mean i'm that was the goal from the beginning um i so i bet you know i played a bunch of shows at um autobar and talking head and um and adam and rob were two guys that like mixed us a lot and um and they they had this this studio called Lord Baltimore. Um, and I think I just really liked the way Rob mixed my stuff when, yeah. when we played live. Like, I feel like he liked the stuff and um, kind of knew what I was doing, made it sound good all the time. So he was... Um, and I guess I was probably actually barbacking at the auto bar when oh, I, like, yeah. first... So I, like, also had a little bit of, like, a... I wouldn't call it a professional relationship, but I saw him regularly Yeah. at the spot. So one thing led to another and booked some time in the studio. And uh, we recorded like 20, 22 songs in, I want to say one day. Sounds insane. Yeah. But I think we did one whole day where it was just um, tracking vocals. Mm. Um, must have been two. It's, it's one sounds insane, but I remember it being like one, you know, maybe like one or two days. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, tracked a bunch of songs um, and then, you know, cause I, and then mixed like, we were mixing like three or four songs a day. One of the things that um, that I picked up at that time was I was really good at knowing what I was good at, and I was really good at knowing what I wasn't good at. Mm. And uh, I was really good at at making my stuff, and I was really good at producing my beats. But Rob knew how to make records. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's you know a completely, from my perspective, it's a completely different process. Yeah. Um. And uh, it was really great to have someone that had a different set of opinions, had a different set of ears, you know, just completely different musical tastes. He's not like a rap head. 
Right, right. Um, but um, I think we both kind of like we both like the same sounds. Yeah, I realized that like when we were making that record, that we kind of like heard things in the very similar ways, even though we liked different types of music. Right, right. Uh, and we both liked to make things sound um, psychedelic and and kind of like saturated and and kind of like um, have a press a lot into it. Yeah, yeah. Like full sounds. Um, so that process was really cool. That was really, really, fun. and it was just fun to be around all that gear. You yeah. know, like that when you're in like a real studio like that. Oh yeah, and then and then also it's like you know I knew I wanted to have like use good mics and stuff, and it's like I'm not gonna go out and just like buy a bunch of mics and like right. <laughs> learn how to. There's just no point in like yeah doing that. So I went through that process totally. Like, what was the process like of releasing the record? Uh, that was a not fun process. Mm. I remember that, but I don't exactly remember why. Um, it was not a fun process. Um, I it was a fun process. Um, it was a fun process doing um, learning about mastering. That was that was interesting, and um, I'm kind of researching that and, and emailing some people and kind of getting some advice and and getting put onto onto some people that do good work. And it was important to me to. Um, to get all that stuff like pro, yeah, professionally done and 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 sounding good, and the record sounds phenomenal. I mean, the it was mastered by two people, but the woman who ran the shop, I mean, she was like doing stuff for like Beyonce and right, 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 um, David Bowie, and like I think even did some like um or did a lot of um her specialty was kind of like um like reissue stuff. So a lot of like um like original stuff that would be um just so old that you have to like yeah. be super delicate. So she, her her ear was like phenomenal and and she made a really great sounding record. Um after that and I and and then making the actual uh vinyl was fun. That's just like a fun thing to to take something that like exists in your brain and then have it be like pressed and everything. Yeah. That's but then that's where all the fun ended. <clears throat> um cuz promoting yourself is like one of the most like soul draining things and I just was not good at it. I like <clears throat> um yeah, I just was not good at it and and then and then wasn't obviously was you know wasn't really getting any help or anything like that like wasn't able to like attract like a label or like a manager that was like saw the vision or anything so there like wasn't i think at that time i i needed someone else to step in so that i yeah. could kind of go back to like just making music again or or like thinking about like doing a tour or something was that around the time you started doing the remixes like the beach house, yeah, or not uh, future, future, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it would have been. I mean, because so eventually, I you know, I did the record like came out like as like a artist pressing basically, right? Um, 
and did like a kind of like release event and played like a few shows after that that were kind of like promoting the record like specifically and did like a video and I'm, I want to say that like after that is when I started doing the remixes. Okay. And then, I mean, specifically, if you want to like really pin it down, it would have been after we did the Baltimore Round Robin tour. Okay. Yeah. I came home from that tour with the idea of the remix. Like I knew, I, I knew the song that it was going to be. I knew what it was going to be like. Mm. And then I made it after that tour. Did did they like press? They pressed mm-hmm. up that remix. And yeah, there was like a um, a label out of New York that was like kind of like a the a kind of like boutique project of like yeah. a couple that like did art together up in New York, and they like released like a couple of things, and that mm. was they were just huge Future Islands fans. Yeah, and that was like that was right before Future Islands was blowing up. Right, right. Um, I don't think they had released. They might have. They must have done that with the label that the like British label. Upset the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. That that thing must have come out. That record must have come out. And that was kind of the, They were that all of their like shows that were getting all of their original fans was like on that record. Yeah. And then so and that and then they just were just getting people asking them to like do stuff all the time. And right. So right. this this that kind of fell in with that. So they, but the track existed. Before the idea to do the, like, right before. So, yeah. like, I made this song, and I was like, here's a song. And then, like, a couple weeks later or something, um, I ran into someone from the band, and they were like, oh, yeah, that song you did. And we had a label, you know, we had a label that wants to do this thing, and so we're going to do this remix record. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I remember correctly, that was yeah. kind of the how that went. Were you excited by, like, the... Because I, I feel like that got... That got these big reviews and yeah. stuff like that. And... Yeah, it brought... Um, yeah, it was exciting for... I mean, it brought a whole new energy to what I was doing creatively because it was just, like, a new outlet to make stuff that was... Oh, um, that didn't have to be rap. Yeah. Not that I have to make rap, but... Right, right. But that was what I was doing, and then so to do something different was cool. And it's usually a thing where... I'm already starting with something that exists. So it's, there's like a, you're already like working with like a set of tools. So it's just a matter of like, how are you going to make that not only like your own, but like make it the best that you want to make it. And then usually there's like a, not necessarily a timeline because that's never really like stakes were that high, but it was like a, a little bit of like a sense of urgency. Yeah. Because it was someone else's like, career timeline or like album tour release right you can't you can't sit on a remix for two years because then the opportunity has kind of come and gone yeah and the song is like old yeah and like so you did that one you did baltimore highlands remix album what's up uh were there other ones that yeah i did yeah uh did one for um nuclear power pants yeah that's right that was like on a tape Kind yeah. of like sing like three song, four song tape right, right. that came out. Um did one for Rap Dragons. Oh tight. Um that they did like a 
like whole album of like remixes. And there's only a few. It was kind of like this like very like uh it's like the era of the remix for for me. Yeah. There's yeah. like this sort of like time where like where that's where I was putting all my energy into. Was that sort of the same time as Hungry Bodies beginning? Hungry Bodies would have been before that. Okay. Oh, but that reminds me, there was the food. I did a Food for Animals remix. Oh yeah. That was on like a the Friends Records comp. Ah. Like one of their first things was like this tape comp that came out that was like most. Right. I don't know if it was mo- Friends and Friends of Friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And how did Hungry Bodies start? Uh, Nick. That was kind of Nick's thing. Um, Nick Rivetti, um, yeah. Rick Rab produced uh, for Pete's for Food for Animals, which was a, a rap trio um, that existed for a little while. Did some couple records. Um, he and the dude Brad Hoss, who did the label that put out the Food for Animals things, um, we're kind of doing these like jams together, kind of riffing off of these like beats that um, Nick was making. Um, but he was like making these beats in a way where they were like super Oprah ended. So they were, it, we were kind of like improving over these like beats, and he was kind of like controlling the like where they went mm. as like a live instrument. So I got invited. So, well, so a girl that I was dating at the time was roommates with Nick's girlfriend. So then, like, we also kind of knew each other, like, I guess, probably from that first, but also simultaneously, like, just as, like, people that made weirdo, like, rap music in Baltimore slash D.C. Um, And so at some point very early in this time where him and... um, and Brad were doing these like these kind of like beat like noise like improv kind of jam sessions. I got kind of invited to a couple of those. What like what would be your like role within a given night? What's that drawing game where you like everyone draws like a corner and then like but you fold it so you can't see like oh, exquisite corpse. Yeah, is the sort of musical version of that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so specifically, I really kind of gravitated more towards, uh, this sort of, like, no input mixing board setup. So mm-hmm. I had this, um, kind of, like, um, like, it was, like, an eight-channel, like, Mackie mixer, and I, like, would route the effects sends out into, like, pedals, and then back in as, like, channels, and then send the channel... In effect, the effects end for the channel like kind of out into itself yeah and then I would use like um like pitch shifter or like tremolo like I, I knew enough about like kind of guitar pedals where I was like almost making these like used gear store version of like a um like modular synthesis or like kind of like built uh is it, this what's called like modular synthesis, right? Or, or the uh, with like where you build your keyboards, people that that like the rack mount stuff. Oh like, yeah, yeah. They do like the patch bay right, cables right, and right. stuff, and like you basically, if you want something to oscillate, you have to like put an oscillator into it. Yeah. So modular synthesis. That's what's I called, feel, right? I feel like that would be. Right. Yeah. So I was sort of doing this sort of like consumer grade electronic 
version of that where yeah. like the tremolo would like dictate dictate kind of like the tempo and like mm. the beat because it would like allow things to kind of like cut in and cut out and then i would have like something else like before that that was kind of like making like the pattern and then like something that would like add reverb to it and so really it was just kind of like trying to like make sounds from like nothing yeah like if you turn all the effects off it would just be like a right kind of sound like this is constant kind of abrasive sound but then if you tweak it right you kind of get something out of it was that something you wanted to do as some something that you wanted to take on tour or was it just like whatever this is it it'll just be yeah we all wanted to take it on tour it was way too complicated of a process though mm. just it was a lot of people and it was everyone's like second or like even like third yeah priority and certainly not to take anything away from the band cuz the 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 time in that band was awesome it was sort of like a like music summer camp it seemed like for you there came a point where it was suddenly like music can't be the focus anymore for a while yeah like yeah uh, i mean i just got i mean just kind of got frustrated with it mm. i think that i you know in some ways i i wasn't really like i said i think earlier like i wasn't really willing to or able or felt confident to put in the behind the scenes work and uh that's a big part of like doing music as like a as a thing not just you know you can make music however you want but if you right. want if you want to tour and like release records that people find out about and buy you got you got to have a really interesting mixture of like ambition and like luck and I didn't really have like too much of either one at the time, mm. or at least enough that like kept me going. And I think, right. I, and I think I just got burnt out on it. It just like, um, because I certainly tried things. I just like wasn't successful at it. I I did. I maybe wasn't doing the right things, or wasn't doing enough of it, or or something. But I just didn't. Um, wasn't really making any progress mm. with it. And I think at some point I was like, I can't keep trying. I wasn't willing to, like, double down on the, like, effort, I guess, and then I, so I just kind of stopped doing it. Mm. And, like, what does that feel like? Uh, I mean, it sucks to give up on something. Mm. But at the same time, um, I don't... I don't know. I mean, some of it, some of it still, I don't think I've, like, fully, like, worked through. Mm. Um... But um, I want to make music again, but I realized that I don't think I, I know how I want to do that yet. Okay. So I'm like, I'm still at this at this point where I'm like on break. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, it is liberating and, <laughs> it, you know, it is liberating to, to stop doing something. Mm. I feel like I, I think for a while I thought that I couldn't. Right, right. Like not do it. Yeah. For most of my 20s. I made music all of the time. Yeah. And it was all I thought about, and it was all that I put my energy into. Um, you know, I think some of it was, too, I, like, I set kind of like a high bar for myself. I wanted to put out records, like, where I knew, like, it would be promoted 
and like distributed and stuff like that. And I think that there's maybe some. I think if I would have been a little bit more uh, realistic or like a little bit more uh, in it for the smaller uh, goals or like the the like the the smaller scale. Yeah, I think I could have been more incremental about the sort of like try this success doing this back back and forth kind of like growth process i think i put i really like literally put all of my eggs in one basket mm. and kind of felt like if i'm gonna put all this time and energy and like resources into making this record then anything short of exactly what i want is not what i want yeah and you know, I know, I'll never know if there was, like, a better way to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of, like, stuck to... I, I stuck to that mentality and, and maybe um, severed for it. I don't know if... You know, I don't know how it would have been different. Right, right, right. To not be so, like, particular or expect so much or something. Hmm. Well, what is it for the future, like... Like you say, you want to do stuff, but you don't know how you want to do it. Like, what is that? The how? I know that I want to start like doing rap stuff again, but I don't think I would like really do it as like a a working band, right? Right. Kind of approach. Yeah. I think if I was like, yeah, I'm trying to put this Jones set together to play a show. I think I'm more just like try to open for someone, and um. And not really be concerned with like the merch table or the or or too like just just do the things that I liked about doing shows. Like I liked making posters and like promoting shows. That was fun. Just just like have it be more of that like hobby. I don't think I ever I don't think I ever let my I think when I was younger I went straight from being totally like ignorant and naive about what was happening to like trying to, like, take myself way too seriously. Mm, and yeah. I think that that the middle is, like, where the fun is. Yeah. You yeah. know? And, and I don't think I, like... I went from, like, extreme fun to, like, no fun at all with yeah. it. Yeah. And I, so, I, yeah. yeah. I think if I, if I think about... If, if I did it again, it would just be, like, this, like, fun... Just, just try to have it be, like, a fun... Like, yeah, like, I like to rhyme because it... It's cathartic, and it's fun to perform, and I like making tracks, and I like having people hear my tracks, right? And right. not, and just not take myself too seriously in the process. And you know, it kind of is like what we were talking about earlier at dinner, like with this, like how like modern society kind of like treats everything as like a commodity and. It's like if you're gonna do it, you might as, you you have to like hit on all cylinders and yeah, and it's, it's that's not like the point for this music shit. Right, right, right. Like I have a lot of respect for people that that are pro, that are pro about their art because they've you know put themselves in a spot where they can earn a living doing the thing that they love the most. Um, but it's like we can't all be president. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like. Sure, like, I would, like, do a publishing thing and 
for like a placement track to make some money in a heartbeat but for too long i think that was like the goal was to like figure out the hustle to like make it a living of at, at doing music and that that's not like why people that's not why i want to make music yeah yeah i mean that's, i don't think i can <laughs> that's that's as simple i think as, as i can say you know what i mean like yeah. that's that's kind of like really getting at the at the the heart of the issue is that i think i just kind of had a little bit of like a skewed wrong outlook on it or something at the time right 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 i needed i needed i needed to to step away from it too to realize it i can believe it yeah yeah well looking forward to the future of jones onwards and upwards aha see you next week